I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. Girl, (laughs) happy Juneteenth to you. Happy Juneteenth. I'm really happy that you just opened up saying happy Juneteenth because we are recording on Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. And I was working out this morning with one of my favorite online exercise groups and Mm -hmm. the lovely fitness expert. She was talking all about, you know, happy belated Father's Day and going on and on about Father's Day. And she didn't say Juneteenth one time. Mm. And um, I really felt some type of way about that. So listen, if you're listening to this and you don't recognize how that feels to people, this is a good opportunity for you to know. I mean, if I was a fitness guru, I would have been like, listen, if you think you can't do mountain climbers and you can't do jump squats, imagine if you were somewhere not being able to do what you wanted to do when you wanted to do it for longer than you had to. Mm. How about that? Mm. So you should be working out today because you can, because you have agency to do whatever you want to do. Wow. That would have been a good message. She needed me to coach her on that. <laughs> I was about to say, let me join your fitness class. Then maybe I'll, you know, get out of bed and work out in the mornings. Yes. So I actually ended up just muting her and watching what she was doing. And I just mm. had my own, my own message in my head. Yeah. Because I'm like, sis, that was yesterday. Today is <laughs> Juneteenth. It's a federal holiday. Yeah. Ain't nobody collecting your, your uh, trash today because it's a federal holiday. <laughs> yeah. But our listeners are somewhere right now acknowledging Juneteenth. Yes, I love it. Well, I will also encourage folks, there is a uh, special episode released from The Nocturnist last week um, that is uh, re-airing one of my favorite episodes from the Black Voices in Healthcare series in acknowledgement and celebration of Juneteenth. And uh, yours truly got to open the episode with a little preamble. That's right. That's right. We love it. We love it. You actually really crushed those preambles, by the way. You were... Oh. Really amazing. Oh, thank you, sis. Yeah. yeah I received that. Mm. Um, since we just like um, shamelessly plugging podcasts, can we just uh-huh. plug one more? Yes, please. Um, other than this one, because this is your favorite. This is your favorite podcast, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter what we say, this is your favorite. But on June 19th, 2020, the Clinical Problem Solvers, who was also part of our podcast fam, uh-huh. uh, they recorded along um, with me, and my father, the HMP, History and Perspective. And um, we opened up talking about exactly what Juneteenth is. And then um, I interviewed my father who talked all about his perspective of growing up as one of 11 children in a poor black family in Birmingham, Mm. Alabama. It is such an incredible gift. I listened to it this morning and just to hear my father's voice yeah and and even in our community it was so like it blended everything um together it was beautiful so check that out if we had show notes we would link to all this (laughs) you know what one of these days we're actually going to have these show notes i promise (sighs) y'all 
Yeah, you heard Ashley say that. I, I, I'm not promising that because I'm busy. But you know, if we get somebody on our team who's like, listen, we want to be your volunteer show notes people. Holla at us because we yeah. will take you up on that. Absolutely. But I do want to, I want to co-sign that episode because I remember watching it live and it was really deeply moving, particularly oh. to see you and, and your father in conversation. It was like, oh. y'all remind me a lot of each other. Oh. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that, that it's still available to watch. Yeah, I, it's actually, I, I can only find the audio, audio. And for some reason, the video, I, I, I didn't see it on the website. I have to ask them, but. But mm-hmm. the, the even hearing it, I think, is super important. And um, you will also know where I get all my crying from because my dad, <laughs> yes, <laughs> he dropped some tears on that one. But, you know, growing up in Birmingham in the early 60s and late 50s, that's something to cry about. So. Yeah, no, I was actually really moved to see how open he was with his emotion talking about some of his experiences. It was really beautiful. Yeah, so like a double whammy. It was great to have that as both a Father's Day gift on my first Father's Day without my father in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And um, and also to acknowledge Juneteenth. I think I'm gonna make that my annual thing. I'm just gonna listen to that episode again, hang out with my dad. I love it. Mm-hmm. Can I say real, real quick, y'all? Yeah, yeah. My, my Helia looks real cute. She's pulled mm-hmm. up in a little puff. Mm-hmm. on top jewels is kind of flat after this weekend but you know mm-hmm. I, I got some ideas about things to make her wake up a little bit but Ooh, i'm excited well you know i i realize we have a lot to catch up on i could talk to you all day sis and i will at some point <laughs> but for this morning i know that all of us are excited to resume our storytelling exchange and particularly to be graced by a story from none other than the Dr. Kimberly Manning, famous on Twitter, (laughs) famous nationally for her amazing commencement speeches and just overall beautiful and incredible spirits. I, for one, am very privileged to be sitting here to have a front row seat to all of your wisdom. (laughs) Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. I've been working on that. Yeah, I see that. Okay. (laughs) Watch out next week, though, (laughs) y'all. Um, but yes, without further ado, sis, please tell us what is the what today? The what is knowing. Knowing. Ooh, ooh I like it. Mm-hmm. Knowing. Mm. Yeah, knowing. What's the first thing that came to your mind when I asked, when I said that word? Knowing. Knowing. You know, I think the first thing that came up was kind of like this intuitive, like, like sense, like mm-hmm. like when I've heard you talk about like discernment, uh-huh. you know, there's something kind of beyond intellect where you just like know it in your body, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you see something and you just know, mm-hmm. right, right. Or you feel something and you just know. So that's yeah. perfect. That's a perfect segue. And, you know, in the spirit of Father's Day, I was reflecting actually this morning on um, an experience I had at Grady Hospital quite a few years ago. I was um, on the hospital service and I had admitted a patient to the hospital um, who was probably like in his early 20s or so. He had a chronic disease, but it was something that sometimes caused him to be hospitalized. But, you know, it wasn't life threatening at that point. We managed it and he was getting prepared for discharge. Mm -hmm. And he'd been in the hospital for probably about, uh, I would say about three or four days. 
And, you know, you give me a full day with you in the hospital. I'm going to know all your business, your life story. We're going to be old friends, right? But there was something about our interaction that felt very auntie-nephew, you know? Mm -hmm. And that does happen to me with young patients at Grady as I've grown older. And it was sweet and it was endearing. And um, I just thought, you know, he was a a lovely person. And in some of our exchanges, he told me one day um, that he was expecting a baby. Mm. And um, that he was excited and nervous uh, and that his partner was very pregnant and it probably in the next month, he would be a dad. Mm. And so most of the days when I came into the hospital to talk to him, he would kind of talk about that. And I would talk to him about that. And I even had the chance to meet his partner one day and she was very pregnant. (laughs) So on the day that I was discharging him, chatted up a few things. He had all the discharge papers already. He asked me if I had kids and I realized all our conversations, I'd never talked about my own kids. Mm. I was mostly just probing about him. I said, I do have kids. Um, I have two sons and he's like, oh, are they grown? And I was like, no, you know, they're at this point, they were like middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. And he was like, dang, doctors be waiting to have their kids. (laughs) Wow. Which, hello, we were booed up up until that point, and now you're calling me old? (laughs) (laughs) But low-key, he might be right on that. Um, So we laughed about that, and he got serious. And then he looks at me, and he said, Miss Manny, and sidebar, you know, when people love us, they call it, miss is a term of endearment. It doesn't mean he doesn't think I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. But he said, Miss Manny, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. He said, do you think if somebody didn't have a good daddy, that they could be a good daddy. Mm. I thought about it for a minute and I said, you know, I think there's a lot of good daddies that are the first good daddies that were ever in their family. I think there's a lot of people who are the first good daddy in their family. Yeah. And I talked a little bit more about like, you know, you need to be equipped with something inside to want to be a good daddy. I said, but you know, some people who wanted to be good daddies. They just didn't have what they needed. Mm -hmm. I said, but I have a feeling that you're going to be a good dad. And he was like, yeah, I don't know about that. I was like, yeah, you you do. Because what you need is, is love. You know, you got to really love your child enough to try. And I I think you have that. And he was just kind of kind of looking at me. And I said, you know, let me give you some advice. One of the Grady elders once told me that you know on a day when i was really feeling like a failure as a mom he said really as long as your kids know they're in the front of your thoughts and not in the back of your thoughts mm-hmm. and that the decisions you make in are with them in mind they're gonna be okay if you just love on them with all your all your might and show up best you can and and give you all when you're there your kids will actually be all right mm-hmm. and that made me feel a lot better. So he's like, it doesn't mean you gotta be perfect. It doesn't mean you gotta do everything just right. It does mean you gotta show up and try. And I was like, wow, okay, I got it. So I tell him this mm-hmm. and he is just listening intently. And he looked at me and he goes, you had that, right? And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, you had that. You had a good daddy. Mm. And I said, you know what? Oh. What makes you say that? He said, no, I'm just looking at you. I'm looking at how you talk, how you walk, how you move, even how you talking to me. I know you, you, you probably had a good daddy. He was raised by a real one. Mm. 
And I was like, just listening. He said, that's what I want. I want somebody to look at my kid and know. Mm. Wow. This guy was like 21, 22. He said, that's, that's the main thing I want. I want somebody to look at my kid and know. And I was like, wow. And I have to say, you know, even when I think about my relationships with people, things I'm willing to try to do, things I was willing to try to do when I was a young person, you know, a lot of that was because I thought it was a chance that I could win. Mm. And, and I also knew that if I lost, I would have a soft place to land. Mm. And the soft place to land includes my parents, but they had loved so hard on me that there was a point where I, I could be my own soft place to land. I can just think of no higher compliment to my dad, but even my parents to, to say that you can look at me and know that somebody cherished me, yeah. somebody loved me. And so after that, he just kind of changed the subject. And uh, I was kind of getting ready to leave the room. And I said, listen, little brother, I am absolutely certain. I just feel it. I just know you're going to make a great dad. Because mm. I said, if, if you love this baby the way you telling me you do, you're going to make a great dad. Mm. And he said, Miss Manning, will you pray for me, though? Will you pray that I'm a good dad? Will you do uh -huh. that for me? I'm trying to tell the story without crying. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm a person who prays. And since I'm a person who prays, I will do that. I will mm. pray. I will pray that you're a good dad. Mm. And he said, thank you so much. And he was tearing up, you know. Wow. I could tell he was really scared. Mm. Scared of repeating what he had already lived. And I was walking out of his room and... I felt this overwhelming sense not to just return to my busy life. You know, I was like, you know what? I need to, I should just pray for him right now. Yeah. So I turned around and I looked at him and I said, listen, there's a prayer that I speak over my husband and over my sons regularly. It's really fast. But would you be okay if I prayed it over you? He was like, oh man, I would love that. So I walk over to him. And I put my hands on his shoulders and I'm facing him and we both bow our heads. And I said, Lord, keep your hands upon this man and shield his life from the enemy's knife. Mm. Amen. And that was it. And he was weeping. Mm. No. And I was like, you're going to be fine. You'll be fine. But we do need to shield his life from the enemy's knife though. He's a black man. Yeah. And there's a lot that could get in the way of what your heart desires. That is a force that has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I walked out of that room, you know, we didn't hug, we didn't do anything. We just said, thank you. Yeah. Kind of closed up this little plastic hospital, you know, personal items bag and got mm -hmm. ready to leave. And I just walked away thinking about that. Like, man, you know, how important is it to have somebody who cherishes you so much that someone can look at you and know, just know somebody, somebody love that person. Mm. And um, it doesn't mean that you won't fail. It doesn't mean that you won't fall on your face sometimes, but 
one thing I know for sure is having a good foundation as far as your family and in this context, your father, mm-hmm. um, if you are so fortunate to have one like I was, it's, it's to me like getting an open book test or getting a boost over the fence when the task is to climb the fence. Yes. And he was right. He was right about my father. Mm-hmm. I was raised by a real one. I was. My, my father understood the assignment. <laughs> and and he was able to have the circumstances in his life at the time that I came along mm-hmm. to, to step into that role fully. Um, and, I, and I've learned to change my language on that because I do believe there are men who, who could have been good, good dads. Yeah. And who didn't get the chance to. Mm-hmm. Or didn't believe that they could. So part of me is just hoping that that little interaction, that it cast his feet into the heavens to soar as a dad. I believe mm-hmm. it did. Yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, I believe that too, just from hearing this story. That is so incredible. I mean, even though he, you know, he came for you with that age comment. Um <laughs> right right (laughs) doctors be waiting i'm like bro we was cool now we not (laughs) yeah but i mean apart from that that is really beautiful particularly you know him sharing and knowing that he could he could share with you his his vulnerability and and his fear the whole time i was thinking about also my my two older brothers who both have children and you know we all have our individual complicated relationships with our father, but particularly as, as men and boys, you know, it's a, it's a different level of complexity than I can understand, but watching them become fathers and the ways in which both of them interact with their, their children and, you know, the way that they, they love on them and prioritize them. Like it shifted something in me too, just to see that cycle broken um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with such like ease, you know, they yep. just, they just knew what to do yeah. um, and definitely not perfect, <laughs> you know, Yeah, but it is really something to be able to do for, for your loved ones, what wasn't done for you. Yeah. 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 I, I, and I, and I think that, you um to give yourself permission mm-hmm. to be more yeah i heard um a young person actually this weekend at this leadership conference say that this particular um teenager had had some hardships and said he'd made up his mind to be a victor instead of a victim mm-hmm. and i was like wow i mean you're very young to have a a statement like that come out of your mouth but um <laughs> But I, but I think that, you know, there are a lot of people who can have the chance to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, like we said, sometimes circumstances outside of your control um, make it very, very hard for you to win. Mm-hmm. But that Grady Elder who had given me that advice was somebody who had been working poor his whole life. He had like five adult kids who he said all turned out okay. And he was just like, one thing I can say for sure is that they never wondered if somebody loved them. Yeah. And I made choices that let them know that they were in the front of my thoughts and not the back of my thoughts. 
And I do think those choices end up being things like your financial choices, where mm-hmm. you, you know, whether or not you get your ass up and go to work. Um, <laughs> even something as simple as going downstairs for me in the mornings to work out. I tell my kids, like, like my patient said, doctors be waiting to have their babies. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, your, your mom is 52. And the, the truth is, I'm on the I'm on the downhill side of the mountain now. I am. And I want to see as much of your life and um, participate in as much of of your your world as I can. And I have to take care of myself to do that. Wow. So when I go downstairs and I exercise, it's really, you know, fortunately for me, my husband think I'm cute no matter what's going on with me. <laughs> so it, it, it ain't to make him think I'm attractive. Um, it's to get these numbers in a place to break some some other cycles too, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Cardiovascular disease and metabolic syndrome curses too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So mm. hopefully they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm just thinking again about your relationship with your dad. You know, it's, again, it's just something that I've, I've been moved by in your stories and particularly, you know, your dad's influence on your sons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my dad, um, my, my dad, again, you know, and we've talked about him multiple times before, but he, he was an extraordinary human being. He was not perfect. My dad had a lot of cuckoo, crazy opinions about things sometimes, <laughs> and he liked to share them. And he thought if you didn't agree with him and I, and I say that out loud because it's, it's, it's okay um, for people to be imperfect a little, but to, for you to love them fully and wholly. I got a lot of text messages yesterday because again, this being the first time um, I had father's day without my dad, I, I really didn't feel sad yesterday. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. I felt like, hey, you know, I miss my dad and there's some stuff about my dad that I really, really miss. But my father's in me. He's in me. Mm-hmm. And like my patient said, if you look at me and you interact with me and you know anything about my father, you know. Yeah. You know. So so knowing that there's a knowing of who my father was and is every time you see me and every time you see my kids, and even my husband, I, that is, there's nothing to be sad about for me. Yeah. All I have to do is miss my dad. And I can do that. Yes. I can, I can, I can do that. Mm. I can do that. But my wish for anybody listening, that's a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a partner, a, a doctor who's caring for patients, an advocate, anybody in any position of influence on somebody's world. I, I hope that you, you realize that there's something that you can do that can imprint people in a way that others will know that they were cared for. Mm. And I would say for doctors more than ever in this world where a lot of people don't have that, what if their interaction with you is the slice of being cherished that actually pivots a whole bunch of things? What if that moment is the thing that made this young man decide he wanted to be the greatest father ever? Mm. I don't know that, but... I do think just like mean things stack up, I think kind does too. Yes. Yeah, that was a, that was a good moment. And I I think of him every single year, that young man on (laughs) Father's Day. You know, something in me likes to believe that he's thinking of you. (laughs) Yeah. In that moment. And again, what an incredible, like, like you said, a pivot point, just something so simple 
so quick, but monumental in setting this young man, man up for that life changing experience. And, you know, I just like everybody deserves to be seen Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and to be known as someone who's cherished. Mm, mm, mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And to be missed. Yeah. You know, and to be, for somebody to be concerned about you and thinking about you. I mean, everybody deserves that. Yeah. And you don't have to be a person who prays to bless somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, there, I'm sure there are people who listen to this who, you know, either they're not sure about, you know, a higher power or anything like that. And, you know, th- that's your business. But I do think that you can still be obedient to something that you feel pulling inside of you mm-hmm. that tells you to give a patient more than the minimum. Yes. I'll be carrying that energy forward this week. And I hope we're all loving on each other, doing the work to heal and love ourselves in the process. True that. True Mm -hmm. that. Well, sis, I love you so much. Hopefully when people see you, um, along with all the other people who love you, that they know know you're loved. (laughs) Uh, I hope so too. A lot of people beat me to loving you. So I'm, I'm, I'm late to the to the I love Ashley game, but I'm but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I am well received into a crowd of those who love Dr. Manning. And I, you know, just to echo how much I, I value your love and, and our friendship. So all right, sis. Well, peace up A Town Down from sunny Atlanta on Juneteenth. Yes. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.